Hi everyone, it's Michelle from Studio City Now, and today my guest is James from The Midlife Mentors. And James, I don't know your last name. Uh, Davis. Oh, okay, James Davis. And thank you so much for joining me. You know, after some Zoom glitches, we finally got it together. And yep. I was reading your bio and I went on your website, which is themidlifementors.com, and um, 38degreesnorth.com and themidlifemethod.com, which I think is incredible. How did you, what made you do this? <laughs> so uh, I guess the story really began, well, who knows where these stories begin, but the story really began um, back in 2011. I was working in London, um, corporate career, was, was doing well, but um, I just felt there was maybe more to be had from life. So I took a brave jump to move to a little island in the Mediterranean called Ibiza um, and launch fitness holidays there. So I thought it'd be the perfect place to launch fitness holidays. And that was the beginning of 38 degrees north. So that's the latitude of Ibiza. And yeah, I've been running those for, since then, so over a decade now. Um, and at the time, we already come up with the concept of Kind of getting away from that traditional boot camp thing uh, and giving people you know a really nice luxury hotel great food you can eat what you want you can have a drink if you want yes we'll train you hard but we'll also bring on all the mindset stuff we'll coach you on nutrition so um that went really well we've won a ton of awards um obviously i was i was getting older and claire and i are both in midlife and um our clients tend to be kind of like mid mid 30s upwards and we started seeing like a number of the similar kind of themes presenting to us. And then also just speaking to, you know, friends of ours, they were kind of like, oh, you know, midlife, it's the beginning of the end. I just accept the ever-expanding waistline, declining energy levels. And I'm like, no, it does not have to be this way because we're not feeling like that. It's the way we're living our lives. So we started really, the midlife mentors started with this driven by a passion, basically to, to share what we were doing and improve on it by kind of going back to the research, looking at all the research papers, around training, around nutrition, around positive psychology. My background was originally psychology. And from there, doing a podcast just for fun, kind of talking about our, um, our experiences and what was working for us. Then we did like a, a beta of the midlife method, which was a, or is an eight week transformational program for mind, body and soul. Um, and with the results were just amazing. So then we launched a full program. And of course, being very honest about it, Claire and I always had this ideal that we wanted to move more into the online space, but the actual fitness holidays was, was our kind of cash cow, you know, and we love the in-person. Then came COVID. So um, that put an end to the holidays, but it actually, you know, we were very thankful that we started doing some online stuff. You know, we had our program set, we had our app built. Um, so we just like pushed harder into that. And it's been just amazing, the response and the results people get, because I think we're just, we're not, make it very clear to people, we're not, we're not a diet and exercise solution. We're about the holistic whole, you know, um, and why people always fail um, at their health goals generally is they haven't done the internal work. They haven't challenged their limiting beliefs and worked on changing those supporting beliefs to actually step into that new identity of, you know, who they want to be that's aligned with their goals. I always say, you know, midlife is a great time to do that because, we reach this natural kind of pause point, you know, we were talking about things like the midlife crisis, but it's kind of point where we reflect back on maybe where we are in life and start thinking about where we want to be down the road. And at midlife, we have all this wonderful experience from all the things we've been through. And if we tackle it the right way, we can basically just step forward with such joy into like this, this health and happiness 
you know, and keep going down the road, enjoying every moment and being really positive. So that's what we wanted to spread and do, and that's what we continue to do. Um, you know what I found? People in my age group. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, it's the light. Um, I, I saw that. You did see that. Yeah. Yes, twenty nine. <laughs> <laughs> what I've noticed, especially since the quarantine happened my age group, anywhere from 30 on up, uh, people have um, expanded. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really common thing we see. I mean, obviously lockdown was yeah, something none of us ever experienced in our lifetimes. And um, it threw up a lot of challenges. You know, one of those was physical. Suddenly we're confined at home. And people who are generally, you know, even, even if they were just like taking the kids to school, going to work, you know, people working from home, but they're not realizing, okay, but you have your actually getting to the office. When you're at the office, you're getting up from your desk all the time, you're going to like meetings, you're going out to get your lunch. So our calorie expenditure was massively reduced. At the same time, we're sitting at home with the full cupboards, the full fridge, there's temptation, boredom might set in. Because of the general world situation, there's probably like a high level of anxiety around there anyway. And a typical stress response is often to go and eat more of like comfort foods, things that are high in sugars. So yeah, I mean, a really common thing we saw through the pandemic and coming out of it is like a lot of clients were like, yeah, I've put on so much extra weight during lockdown. But there's also a psychological effect of that as well. You know, people tended to become more anxious, I think. Um, they suddenly realized like how uncertain the world is, you know, the, the human mind thrives on this illusion of perceived certainty. And we tended to live by that, you know, oh, you know, my, my day goes like this and my week goes like this and my month goes like this. You've got suddenly all that swept away. So a lot of the work we did is actually helping people actually set up their own routines. We say control what you can, don't worry. Like we spend so much time worrying about the big stuff that we actually have no influence over. It's wasted energy. Control what you can. Set up, set up the routines and the regimes for you that will make you feel safe and secure. Because when we feel safe and secure, we can start to make positive steps forward. Yeah, what I did find, uh, I've talked to, I have several male friends who, now I'm in Southern California. I'll preface that. So my two male friends lost like 30 pounds, started playing hockey. <laughs> started working out and all my female friends like, oh yeah so it'll be two to four weeks we all gained weight the guys lost weight um you said your background psychology what's the psychology behind that unless it's well, just the guys went nuts it's interesting you say that because we didn't we have, didn't see that in the uk i mean like everyone basically put on weight across the board um if they didn't if they didn't realize they weren't but something do something about it um it could be that that men are maybe just the men you know are higher what we call in psychology higher self monitors so um we all have a level to which we monitor ourselves. and people who are high self monitors that can that can actually trip over into like high control and inappropriate control but they'd be more aware of what's happening with their body shape and how they're presenting and be more likely to take uh, action about it sooner so it could, could be that, could be down to personality type, perhaps. Possibly. Now, you are, well, you're in Morbella right now, which I guess is one of your, what, I wouldn't say spa, I'm not quite sure how to define it, but one of your locations? 
Yeah, so we work we work with um, mainly five star hotels in around different locations, but we work with a fantastic one here in Marbella, Marbella called um, Punta Romano. It's one of the top hotels on the coast here, and yeah, uh, we're back there in January and February, and we can't wait. Wow. <laughs> so where else? Yeah, I know you have London, Marbella, Spain. Where else? Uh, Ibiza is our other one. So Ibiza is, uh, I guess, our spiritual home and where it all started. Um, but actually, our last retreat we ran before lockdown was, I think it was March. Now I'm, I'm sort of getting so confused by years. I think it was March 2019 or 20, whenever COVID started, 20 maybe. Uh, and everyone was talking about COVID and we were like, oh, and literally, you know, we got that retreat done and about two weeks later, the whole of Europe was locked down. Since then, we managed to run one retreat in the UK, just in the countryside. We hired a country estate, did an amazing retreat in July, which was fantastic to be back in person. But yeah, January. So that, I think that's like almost two years since we ran one. We can't, we can't wait to be like, yeah, training on the beach again in the sunshine. It'll be amazing. Oh gosh, yeah. Now in the UK, you know, I, I know here in the US when we locked down, people went nuts over what I would call the ridiculous things. Toilet paper. Toilet paper? <laughs> uh, paper goods. Uh, one of the big markets I had gone in when we were locking down, I bought 50 pounds of dog food because I had two retrievers. But I saw people with carts loaded with, you know, paper products. And that's something I just don't get. And I don't know if you had that kind of hoarding where you are. Um, yeah, we had it very, very badly at the outset. Um... And again, the psychology of this is fascinating. So as I understand it, the, the toilet roll hoarding started in Australia. So Australia doesn't produce that much of their own toilet roll. They do import the majority of their toilet roll. And they warned there could be a shortage of toilet roll in Australia, specifically for the reason that they import it. For some reason, just that, I think the high anxiety state the whole world was in, all everybody around the world heard was, there's going to be a shortage of toilet paper. Because in the UK, it was mad. You see people like, yeah, with trolleys, just full of toilet paper. And you literally couldn't get it anywhere. And even though the, the toilet roll companies in the UK are on television going, we make the toilet paper here in the UK. There is more than enough toilet paper if everyone just buys it at the rate that they were buying it before and uses it, not buying like 200 rolls in one go. And... Um, it was really sad, actually, because the pandemic made things lots of hard and the, the toilet paper started it and then it went to everything and people were panic buying everything. And one of the most heartbreaking things I saw in central London was um, an old man, probably like in his late 80s, just stood looking at the empty shelf of food and like just clearly no idea like what to do. I just thought, this is so tricky. You know, seeing people up there buying stuff, right? Fresh food. Like, there's no way they're going to eat it all. Unless they've got, like, a huge chest freezer at home, literally buying anything and everything to get their hands on. But, like, like the, the common sense goes, this is what happens when we go into a fear response, right? Which is like, you never make a good decision in fear. This is what we talk about. When we're afraid, it goes back to the reptilian part of our brain, which is basically that there's a threat, there's a threat, there's a threat. Let's do everything to survive, even if it's completely inappropriate. So, like, hoarding food. And we had it again in the UK about... A month ago with petrol actually um one petrol company said 
oh, we've got a shortage of drivers for our tankers. So some of our garages may have a shortage for a week. What everyone heard was there's no petrol. There were queues. People, people were filling up carrier bags with petrol and trying to take it home. There were fights in the forecourts. It, uh... Yeah, I have friends. Um, like I said, I lived in Derbyshire and they're in Derbyshire and they said they walk into Sainsbury and you know the lines to get into the market and they weren't empty but they were half empty shelves and it was just very disheartening scary yeah well and in the uk we've still got the um impact of brexit to be felt as well so um that's uh, i think i think um a lot of the things that are being blamed on on covid shortage wise maybe due down to Brexit as well. So, you know, for American listeners, the the, in, the UK left European Union um, for a variety of reasons. But um, traditionally, we've relied on a lot of migrant workers from Europe to do a lot of the jobs like uh, agricultural jobs, animal jobs, transport jobs, delivery jobs. They've all left. They've all gone back to Europe. It means we now have a nationwide shortage there. The farmers are reporting that their crops are rotting in the fields because there's no one to pick them. The stuff that does get to the factory, there's no one to clean it and pack it. Then there's the stuff that finally is ready, there's no one to deliver it. So um, it's interesting times indeed. And we have that issue here too uh, with the migrant workers, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, Eight-week transformational program, which is incredible. Um, yoga, I'm assuming? Um, not yoga per se. We have flexibility and stretching there. So we, have, we build it around six pillars. And those six pillars are movement. Because um, at midlife, we're facing a number of hormonal changes, which manifest in physiological ways. I mean, basically, like levels for men and women, levels of our sex hormones are declining, which basically impacts in reduced muscle mass, reduced strength, loss of flexibility. So what we want to do is start moving our body more. So our preferred way and the science back way, a short burst of what we call high intensity interval training. People get scared by the intensity, but remember intense for you, if you're not very fit, is still doing the job. It can be quite slow paced. Someone who's very fit can go very hard. Someone who's not can go less hard, but it will still be intense for them. So they're like 15 to 20 minutes. So it can easily fit in your day, all kinds of benefits. The other part is resistance training which again doesn't have to mean lifting weights, but it could be bodyweight exercises or using simple equipment like bands and kettlebells. But this is vital for helping preserve our muscle mass. So we're keeping our strength into our old age and keeping our metabolism high so we're keeping our body fat lower. Of course, when we're talking about that, we want to talk about nutrition. So again, we take an approach of over the eight weeks delivering a nutritional coaching program. We slowly build up people's knowledge. They understand, you know, Oh, what's a good makeup for breakfast, for example, then we'll move to a lunch, to a dinner. What are my correct portion sizes? You know, what are some of the foods I should be eating more of? What should I be avoiding? We don't do diets and nothing is off the menu. You know, we're like, yeah, if you love chocolate cake, you can still have it. But, you know, understand when to have it and why you're having it and bring an awareness to having it. And then like really enjoy it when you do have it. But obviously it's not something to be having every day. So there's nutritional coaching. Then we um, educate people on their hormones because they have such a big impact. So we've got uh, the hormonal changes that are kind of going on naturally, the declining sex hormones. But we also must um, take into consideration the effect of stress. So when we stress, we fire a lot of cortisol. That's basically a magnifier for a lot of the negative effects that we don't want. So we talk a lot about stress management. 
Then we have um, positive mindset, success mindset, which is all about like we're doing the internal work. So thinking about, you know, where am I going? Who do I want to be? Like, how do I step into that now? What are some of my limiting beliefs? How do I go on shifting those, getting them shifted? Emotional resilience and well-being. So that's more about being present, grateful, call it spiritual practice. And then the last part is like accountability and support. So we have this amazing community of people like going through or having through the program, support each other. And obviously we support our clients going through because when you have someone leading the way, it's also cheerleading for you. You're much more likely to succeed. Now, one of the things I found, I did speak to someone about this yesterday on another podcast. I'm the tail end of the generation. You have to eat everything on your plate. So your children starving, you know, in some unknown country. And uh, I also went to Catholic school. So, I mean, they wouldn't let you up until you ate every last morsel. And I'm hoping that, and in fact, I'm sure that's part of the mindset that you're changing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a really common one, especially what we call, you know, the, the baby boomer generation. So like, yeah, obviously in the UK, um, our, our parents grew up with rationing still, you know, yeah. rationing was still in place until, until the mid late 1950s in the UK. So there was a real, um, you ate what you could get and you ate everything. And, and definitely then that was pushed down to, to like my generation, I guess, of like eat everything on your plate, eat everything on your plate. What you have to realize now is a few different things. So, so yeah, we work on like how you break those habits. We also give tips and tricks. So number one, it sounds really weird. Have a smaller plate. There's a lot of research into this. We eat by our eyes. We'll eat what we can see. If we put a pile of food on a plate, we'll eat that pile of food. If the plate is smaller, we'll eat that. So we don't tend to eat by what we think the right portion size is. We'll eat by what's in front of us. So first of all, you know, get a smaller plate. Second, learn your portion size. We teach people about portion sizes using your hand for different measurements of different things like proteins and carbohydrates. Right. But also, we try and bring awareness to eating. You know, um, a lot of a lot of snacking, not so much main meals, but snacking is like emotionally driven. So understanding what your triggers are behind that. So we do a lot of work around the triggers uh, and we have like an ABC model, you know, what's the actioning, what's the, what's the um, initiating event? What's my consequence if I then indulge in the behavior? So you've got, the, you go ACB and think about it and often bringing awareness to it. Also, well, like the, a big habit for midlife is, is that getting home and having a glass of wine, but we're like, okay, just bring that moment of awareness. You can resist the urge for like five seconds obviously it can help break and temper the habit. So we'll say, have a replacement, have a different go-to. So when you're reaching for that wine bottle in the fridge, just be like, oh, actually, I'm going to go put the kettle on and have a herbal tea. Oh, with me, I come home, I drink a glass of water. Wow, that's great. I drink a lot of water, but it's been 90 degrees here. <laughs> yeah, people wonder why I don't live in Northern England anymore. The weather. Yes, 90 degrees in California in November, three Lovely. below. Oh, yeah it's cold cold back home cold and wet yeah but you know there's nothing like the english countryside it's true it's very beautiful and you're in marbella spain i mean oh my gosh that's incredible yeah we're very 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 blessed that um we're able to live our lives this way you know it's got kind of conscious planning and kind of accident but yeah we're very blessed we have spent you know our, our winters in a nice warm climate on the mediterranean and the rest of the time in london wow Okay, so I went on the website for a couple of minutes. You know, I see you're featured in a lot of magazines. Vogue, was it Vogue? Yeah. 
I think it was L also. Been in a ton, yeah. Vogue L, Tatler, National Geographic Traveller, Condé Nast Traveller, New York Times, Home from UK, the, Te the Telegraph, The Guardian, The Observer, uh, Daily Mail. We, yeah, we've been very lucky with the press. I think because um, yeah, so we've, you know, we've got like a decade behind us with the retreats business. And then I think the midlife thing is just uh, you know, caught the imagination. We often get you know, journalists inquiring or coming to us for a comment and things like that. The program sounds incredible. Sounds like a great oh, thing and a great way to retrain yourself and go on with life. Thank you. Yeah, can't wait to do it. <laughs> Can't wait to travel again. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, you know, we have we have had travel back, but it looks like everyone's locking down again over in Europe. So, hang on, let's see what happens through the winter. Yeah, we're finally opening up. I've been fortunate because it doesn't really affect me, but I have friends who haven't worked in like two years. I don't know how people are making it. I know, and I think that is a uh, you know not not detracting from the seriousness of, of COVID, but I mean there are other issues that the governments need to start considering, like you know people's livelihoods, mental health. Yeah. Well, the other thing I've noticed, we have a lot of for help signs or help wanted signs here. Nobody wants to work anymore. I don't know if that's going on there too. I'm all for the government helping because we needed that. But now the mindset is, well, they're just gonna pay me, I'll stay at home and watch Oprah. That's so interesting you say that, because we do, we do have that in UK. So um, right now we've got this weird situation that I was referring to earlier, that um, there's, there's, I think there's, there's the biggest number of vacancies of jobs ever, but they're in certain sectors, um, but they just, can't, they just can't fill them, even though there's also a high number of unemployed. But interesting, I was speaking to someone here in Spain when we were up, it's, it's exactly the same here. So it seems now to be maybe a Western world problem that, um, I don't know what, what the support was there, but in the UK we had this, this scheme called furlough, which basically meant um, companies could, um, rather, than, rather than letting their staff go, the government would pay 80% of their salaries up to a certain level, which I think was a really great thing to do at the outset but then it kept getting extended 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 and i certainly know from friends of mine that ran companies no one could come back no one would come back to work because they're like hmm should i come back to work or should i just carry on staying at home and get 80 percent of my salary not working uh, that was, that that scheme is now finished but i think we're still waiting to see what the catch-up is in terms of in terms of the ramifications and people going back to work or not going back to work here unemployment was um, it was paying something like that and I see the help wanted signs everywhere. And you know, I never got involved in that. I just did something else. And it really, really surprises me that, you know, maybe it's my work ethic, I don't know. I delivered food, I didn't care. It was an income. If I had to work at fast food, I would do that to support myself. And I see people saying, that's so beneath me. Yeah. Okay, but that pays your rent, doesn't it? You know, and I've just found people's attitude has changed so much. Our unemployment is, um, the program is ending. I think it ended last week, but people's attitude is still, I'm not gonna do anything. And I just find that very, very upsetting. And it could be just my generation, you know, cause I am the tail end of the boomers. I just don't know. And I, it looks like that's happening there too. I think so. I mean, I think it's in, we're living in a very interesting period in history. Um, I mean, one of the things we always talk about is personal responsibility. Um, I've noticed is there's a lot of uh, 
devolving of personal responsibilities from people, you know, and this is the thing, this is this is a hard question, listen, this is a hard question to ask yourself. If you're in a situation you don't like and you're blaming outside forces for that, I'm not saying they're not playing a role. Listen, things happen in life, stuff happens to us for sure. I'm not saying that, but like, how much of a role are you playing? What are you doing to change your situation? Because here's the thing, like, we tend to be there like, oh, poor me, this happened, that happened. You know what? Yeah, but take back your power. Like when you can actually say, right, what can I do? How can I take responsibility for doing something and start moving forward is how you reclaim your power. I can tell you from my personal experience, you start feeling better in every part of your life when you do that. When you start moving forward with purpose towards a goal, going, right, I know I can do this, I can do that. And things are gonna come and knock you, that's life. But it's about, yeah, getting up and doing it. But you're, you're right, um, I, I think, the next two years are going to be really interesting internationally. Like, you know, we're, we're facing a very flux state of, of, I think, politics, government, economic support for people. Um, we're looking at medical mandates. Um, at the same time, you know, the balance of global power is shifting. I sense, you know, your new president is taking a more isolationist stand. We're seeing China and Russia kind of becoming more aggressive again. And, you know, uh, it'd be interesting to see how it all plays out. So I'm very excited about, you know, the midlife method and everything you've told me and the fact you're in like a bazillion magazines. So if anybody wanted to reach you, how would they reach you? So uh, we have our website, the midlife mentors with an S on the end, .com. Uh, you can find info there. We have, we do put out a lot of free resources. So we have our own podcast. So, so just search for the midlife mentors um, it's Claire and I chatting about all kinds of stuff uh, and loads of useful takeaways as well. Um, we've got a YouTube channel, uh, which is YouTube slash C the midlife mentors on Instagram. We're midlife mentors. Great. Well, thank you so, so much. I'm, you know, sorry, Claire couldn't join us, but we can do oh, it. And Great speaking, Michelle. Thank, thank you. you for getting up so early. <laughs> have to have my coffee <laughs> and I have to go walk one of my dogs oh well have a lovely weekend there thank you you two have a wonderful weekend and we'll chat again thank you okay thank you bye bye bye